get our children and uh, yeah, we all ought to go to children's ministry someday. Okay, so it's with who is doing it? Barbara? Is Barbara? Okay, great. Let our children go and have a great time this morning. Be blessed in the presence of God. I'm so excited. It's so great to talk with you guys in the morning. Uh, Toby's got something to share with us, he, a little something. He's stirred by the comments and the things that we did here today. He was sharing with Come on up. Yeah, we're just going to go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. No, so, yeah, Um. the, the worship, by the way, I haven't heard that uh, light the fire in, like, so many years. I know, I know. It was crazy. And then, uh, and so between that and that, and then uh, uh, what Norm shared and Sean and everyone. So uh, Lonnie and Kathy brought this book back from Pennsylvania. And uh, so I've been reading it. And in the book, it uh, there's um, other evangelists and ministries that uh, just share some, you know, some comments and, and some of their uh, – some of just their just their speaking, and it's pretty cool. So there's a you know obviously I read a uh, a devotional uh, or in, you know a day one. So kind of what we did with the kids and stuff like that. So this book is kind of a little bit more uh, involved with that. And so uh, today I was reading I was I was reading it through, and then with Norm he shared something about you know uh, new norm and then what's going on. And so every year, you know how we kind of make a, a resolution or we make a, a like commitment to God or, you know, we want to do something. You know how we do that, you know, every year. So uh, I was I was thinking, I was kind of reflecting back from the songs and from worship and from 25 years, some of the resolutions I've made um, over the years. And so, uh, you know, and every year I was thinking, like, whatever. So we had, uh, so this, this, uh, um, Brian Fawcett from Georgia or whatever. He was, he was sharing um, some of the things he did, and he said that uh, every year their family makes a resolution. And the last year, um, he said he wanted to be a better listener. Uh, he said he wanted to be a better listener, and uh, his daughter's like, Dad, uh, you you've made that resolution for the last you know five years, <laughs> and. Uh, he said um, that uh, God wasn't done with him. You know, so God is still working through. And so, you know, the resolution we make is, uh, you know, you can make the same one. Because you make one and it's just not like, okay, we had that one, so we're done there. We'll just move on. And so then that led me to think, like, uh, you know, I, I felt as though this year's uh, Tabernacles uh, has such an impact that it hasn't you know, left. It stayed. So, you know, we have seasons of, chi- seasons of times that come and go. And I felt as though this tabernacle is, you know, came, you know, the preparation for it. And then it's just still seasoning in us, you know, and it's still, we're still absorbing it. You know, we're still, and so, to me, it's, you know, I feel as though we're still in the, you know, presence of it, even though we're moving on into newer seasons and holidays and everything like that. So, yeah, so I want to share that. And I'll just share the scripture real quick. All right. So do not forsake your own friend, your father's friend. Nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. My son, be wise and make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass and are punished. Take the 
garment of him who is surety for a stranger, and hold it and pledge when he is surety for a seductress. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted a cursed end. The continual dripping on a very rainy day and a continuous woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grafts oil with his right hand. As an iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. I just feel like the Lord really wants you to know this, Tobe. When we were worshiping, and um, uh, I began to see, I, I think I said something about um, God was going to be again to change, and the people around you were going to be drawn. But um, the picture that I saw, Toby, was actually you um, at your business. And, you know, you know how much I love your parents and just pray for them so earnestly. But um, I saw you at work. And I saw your mom and your dad specifically um, being drawn to you in, in a different way. And, and just this kind of fire going through out where the men work um, and, and them coming to attention. Like um, they'd been busy working and suddenly they, they were awakened. So I just, I'm going to pray about that for you. I love that. Wow. Father, bless your word and continue to bless. Continue to bless everything that's being spoken and said here today and let it, let it touch every heart in Jesus' name. What a week. What a powerful week we've had. An amazing week. Last week we talked about Ezekiel. This is um, the Skeleton Church Part 2. Um, it's uh, defining church and what, who, and where that is. What is church? Who is the church and where does church happen? And it sounds like it's been happening all over in your lives this week. Last week we came here, we talked about the skeleton church. Uh, you want to uncover this guy? This guy represents the church, a skeleton church. We've, we all look different on the outside, but we've all got the same skeleton on the inside. We couldn't rock around or do anything without it. And last week, we studied in the Word, Ezekiel uh, 37. And we, and, we, and we learned, the question was, God asked us, can these bones live? Part of what we learned is there's a lot of dead bones in the valleys. Look, we, we talked about America, dead bones everywhere, scattered. But you know what? What did we do at the end of service last week? God said, we have a part in this. We have a part of the change not only for America, but the world. That is why we were chosen. That's why he chose you. You've got a part to play in this. And what did we do at the end of service last week? We got up here, and we did what the word of God said. He said, prophesy to these bones. God asked Ezekiel, he says, can these bones live? And he said, Lord, you of all people, you of all know, you've got the answer to this. And God's answer was this. He said, you get up and prophesy to those bones. And they came together in unity. And I'm sensing that unity right here. I'm sensing that unity here today. And that same unity that we have, no matter what happened in the election, we have to take that out. 
We have to take out the hope of Jesus Christ. The word of God says that he chooses the kings. He appoints the kings. And I prayed for God's perfect will to be done, and I'm here to stand and tell you that it was. God has a plan. God has a purpose. We got up here and we prophesied for God to breathe on the bones, breathe life in them. We prophesied and we prayed for America last Sunday, did we not? We were the wild, crazy bunch over here. That could divine church. Wow, if you're going to Praise Chapel, they mean business. We prayed for Brother Dave Benford, who is running for for, uh, a representative, a state representative. And he won. Finally, they got the word. Don told me they got the final okay. It was signed, sealed, and delivered on Wednesday morning. It was official. So we now have a representative from this particular body of Jesus Christ representing us, representing him, uh, amen, in the state of New Hampshire. I'm telling you what, we are not going to be on the top of the list. Vermont and New Hampshire are not going to be on the top of the lips for the people that don't believe they need God and the most godless states in, the, in our nation. We're changing. The atmosphere is changing now. You've been singing that song. The atmosphere is changing now. The atmosphere is changing now. It's making way for miracles. Now, we at the tabernacles, we said unleashing the miraculous. That should be our our expectation. Toby said we're not done with tabernacles and on to something new. That is the word. Expect the releasing and unleashing of the miraculous. And let me tell you, there wasn't anybody that wasn't dumbfounded way up to 3 o'clock in the morning, Tuesday night, when we saw what was going on, and God turned the tables on everybody. Now, I'm not here to say whether you're Democrat. I'm I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm part of the people of God. Okay? That's my nation. I've been called to a holy nation. Amen? of priests and kings, and that's my affiliation. But you see, God's people worked within the realms of the government, didn't they? Daniel did. Joseph, uh, I mean, my goodness, he was second to Pharaoh, and he wore all the makeup, guys, you know, the, the painted faces and all the garb that came with that job. But he was a man of God, and that's what we're called to be. I truly believe in the depths of my heart. You couldn't convince me otherwise. You couldn't get me to testify otherwise. God had his will done on Tuesday. God had his will done. Now, what is our job? To release hope to the world. Our job is what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church and it shall be called a house of prayer. Your job is to pray. Pray like you never have before. Fast, because some of these things can only be set free through fasting and prayer. When Debbie comes up to you with that, with that fasting calendar, hey, and you might lose a pound or two on the, in the deal. Now, it doesn't get any better than that. Come on, girls and boys. Fasting and prayer, that's going to be second nature to the new normal. Fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer, prayer without ceasing. Not condemnation, not judgment, unconditional love. You're going to have to love your enemies. 
The Bible says to love your enemies. The Bible says to bless your enemies. You're going to learn to do it through this new normal. And I loved what Toby said. He said it hasn't left. And when he said that to me, I saw, you see, Tabernacles is about God dwelling with men. Not just with them, but in them, inside them. That's what Tabernacles is about. And we've got an entire year. Uh, somebody said uh, it was a, well, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. I, let me get back to, let me get back to her. We've got a whole year to do this. It's like wedding rehearsal time. It's like we've got to find out what it's like to live with him. I loved what Jack said. I loved what you all said. Love y'all. Love y'all. Uh, I'm thinking of my South Carolina kids. Y'all, listen, it's awesome days that we're living in. And now I've still got the word to preach. I don't know how it's coming out because I only have so big of a time slot. But it's important. If you're going out and you're going to talk to people about what God's doing, you've got to know how to define church. When you say, come to church, and they go, well, what's, what, uh, what church do you go to? Okay, I go to Praise Chapel Christian Outreach over there in Hartford. Um, well, well, what kind of a church is it? What, what do you do? They're asking for a definition. They're asking for a definition of what you do at church. They're asking for you to define church, and you've got to have an answer. And so today, we're going to start, uh, number one, with defining church. I want to read to you on page 10 of this book, The Skeleton Church by Jeffrey Myers. He, in uh, one of the chapters... Uh, throughout this kind of a definition. And this is what you might have defined church as last week or something. You know, this is a general definition I'm going to read to you. Church is the universal body of believers that functions under the headship of Jesus Christ and meets regularly in local assemblies to carry out the Great Commission through observing the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper and listening to the preaching of the word of God, all for the edification of the believer and the evangelism of the world. Now, I don't think any of us could sit in here really disagree with any of those statements. I mean, there's an element of truth in all of it, but it doesn't answer the, it provokes more questions, doesn't it? Such as, um, how can the church be both universal and local at the same time? Hmm. Who is a believer? What is that? What do they have to believe and who gets to decide what they have to believe? Come on. Right? We've got churches and denominations fighting over all of that stuff for centuries. What does it mean for Jesus to be the head? Should we have pastors or should we call them priests? Or not have any at all? Why are the baptism and the Lord's Supper called ordinances? What kind of baptism is required? How and when should people be baptized? What exactly constitutes the Lord's Supper? How often should it be observed? I'm rapping now. I'm rapping now. Oh, Judy left. Okay, I'm rapping. She wanted somebody to rap. Okay, <laughs> I'm reading these so fast, I'm rapping. How long, uh, who gets to do the preaching? How long should the preaching be? Uh, what does it mean to preach the word of God? What about church leadership, organization, church government, denominations, our role in politics, and many other issues that are important to the average church? So what does that definition lead us to be? 
more questions. It means we got to go to seminary school. It means you got to read at least 150 books, amen, plus the Bible three times a year all the way through. Doesn't it sound like a lot to try to figure out and differentiate? Well, I'm here to tell you that when Jesus Christ left this earth and he released the anointing to the disciples and to his people, he had a simple plan, and it was a simple gospel. And it was not complex with all this kind of stuff we just talked about. And it answered every question question on earth. It's about you and your Savior, Jesus Christ, and getting into a relationship with him where you know him, where you talk to him, where he walks with you every day, where he tells you to wait at a, at a stop sign down here, and he tells you to go do this and that so that your timing is right, you know, tr- so you don't sit around and, and figure it out, you know, amen? Like, like Jackie was telling us, some of you weren't here early that morning. But, you know, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were called by God. It started in the Old Testament. started in the Old Testament. They were called the Israelites. And they were called by God for a specific plan and a purpose in the earth. Amen? And in the New Testament, it is the same. The writers of the New Testament tell us that The people were called for a plan and a purpose. So what the heck is that plan and purpose? It's the one that Jesus died for. He lived and died for. That is the purpose of God. And what is it? To be a blessing to the world? Was he a blessing? It's what Norm was talking about. The people that knew Jesus knew if they had journals to write in or anything else, they wrote it on their hearts. Their thanksgiving. That's why they came to church and they were thankful and they had a shout because they were so thankful. They were so thankful for him. And it's, it's, it's because we've received hope, we have a message of hope. Come on. You had a mess in your life before you knew Jesus. Isn't that true? And now your mess has turned into a message of hope. You've got something to say. You've got your story, as pastor is always saying. It's a concise working definition of the church. And I want to say, we are, and God calls us. He said it to to Ezekiel last week when we were reading Ezekiel 37. My people. He calls you my people. God says, you are my people. In fact, he's saying, you're my kind of people because you're my people. You know, sometimes in the South, you get down and you're introducing a family member and you go, these are my people. You know, these are my people. When a new pastor comes in here, Lonnie and I use this time, uh, this term too. We go, these are, these are my people. These are the people I love. This is my family. So the best working definition we've got is you are the people of God. That's it. It's that simple. So, well, well, who are these people? They're the people of God. They're the people of God. Now, something else that God, we've heard lots of terms. We've heard, um, well, I want to stop for a minute. What did Jesus teach his disciples? This is what he taught them. It's why he came. It's what he wanted them to do when he left till he comes back, till he returns. It's what he wants us to do, is to carry on his message of hope and blessing and love and restoration. Amen? Amen? Restoration. It's Jesus' mission. 
It's simple. It's easy. It's getting them to know him. By knowing you, they come to know him. He said they will know you by your love for one another, and they will know him through you. You. It's about you and Jesus on a mission, on a mission together. Amen? Now, um, Sean, I forgot to have you uh, do Second Timothy, but if you would bring that up, let's just pray this uh, for our nation right now. The Bible tells us what to do about this election, and this is it. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, all of them, the rapists, the murderers, the people, the Democrats, the Republicans, the independents, all of them, on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. That's what God told us to pray. And this is going to be part of our prayer. So write that scripture down because if, you, if you're like, I don't know what to pray about, well, get on that. You'll find plenty by the time you sit there for 30 seconds. God will fill your heart with things and people to pray for. Now, I want to go to Matthew twenty-two fourteen. For many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? Many are called, but few are chosen. Well, this comes out of a story in the book of Matthew. I want to read that to you. This story is about, this story is in Matthew chapter 22. It's about a king who had a wedding feast. Amen? And in this wedding feast, he sent out invitations. He had his slaves go out. Jesus tells this parable. Jesus taught this parable. He said, I sent, send out my slaves. Go out and tell these people that they're invited to come to this big banquet that I've made for them. And so they go out, and nobody comes. So the king is upset. He continues making the plans of the banquet. He's still getting everything out. You see, he sent out an invitation. Being called is an invitation. You hear pastors say this all the time. How many hear that word and think of pastor? Pastor Lonnie. He'll go, it's an invitation. It's an invitation. I gave out some invitations today. It's an invitation. It's up to you to decide to come. If you come, you're one of the chosen people. I mean, do you see? He chose us. He's giving this invitation. Many are invited but few are chosen, and the reason is they don't choose God. It's pretty simple, because if you turn to God, if you decide to have a relationship with him and walk hand in hand with him every day, do you think he's going to get rid of you? No, you're my chosen one. I love you. Let me show you life with me. Because I sent Jesus so you could have the abundant life. I sent Jesus so that when you're in trouble or you got some really bad stuff going on and you don't have answers, that you could come into relationship with this God. You could walk hand in hand with him together to face it. Amen? 
He teaches you how to overcome because he had to overcome. Come on. He teaches you how to believe for healing and have faith for it because he was the healer. And he released that anointing to you and to me. And if you start believing on it, if you start hanging out with him on a daily basis, if you start learning his word and you start understanding your mission, you know that you carry him with you wherever you go. Wherever you go and you start releasing the hope. Somebody sick, let me pray for you. Let me help you. I know Jesus and he heals. Let me tell you about the story that what he did. Let me tell you what happened last week. Let me tell you about the healing rooms. You know, we've got stories. We've heard. We've seen the healings, the wonderful things that he does. Well, back to this story, this parable. He sent the invitations out. They come back. You know, nobody's nobody's responding. If you get an RSVP, it's one of my pet peeves. If you get an RSVP on an invitation, would you please, do you know what that means? What does that mean? Any of you young people know what an RSVP is? Tell me, tell me, sister. Responding to the invitation. It means you're supposed to respond. Yes, I can come. No, I can't. And so in this story, some people did respond, but they just said, you know, they had to go to their own business. We're busy. We're too busy to come. So this king said, you slaves go out and you go everywhere and invite everybody. And went, oh, and... That time, they, uh, they beat up on him. And then some of them they killed. So you see, this parable is about all the prophets and all the ones that had gone out to tell them that God had invited them to be part of the people. He's really talking about the invitation. It's the one that you want to invite people. It's not just, you're not just inviting people to church. You're inviting them to come into the family of God to be part of the people of God. Become one of God's children. And so that's what they did. But in the end of this story, at the very end, he takes everybody. He said, go out to the highways, the byways. Go out and compel them to come in. I'm kind of blending the two stories of this story. So you can't say, if somebody tells you, oh, I'm not good enough, Oh, no, the roof will, they always say, the roof will fall in if I go over there, Lonnie. We go, no, it hasn't ever fallen down. God's holding it up. Amen? He's put a roof over our head. He's the covering. It's not going to fall down. Um, he can take it. He has chosen you. If you leave here today with nothing else, I want you to know you are chosen. He sent an invitation. I'm saying it today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't know him in a personal relationship, today's your, your day. Accept the invitation. Because we're going to be having a big party here pretty soon. It's the banquet of all banquets. Trust me. The food that'll be at that banquet on the day. So I don't want to miss out on this banquet, and I don't want anybody I know. I want to invite the multitudes. And God's got plenty of food. He's got plenty of room. It's the biggest banqueting hall you've ever seen. Make the invitation. Make the invitation. Okay, now that I've departed from all of my, all of my notes, 
One thing, I woke up the other day and I told Lonnie, okay, I was thinking about this word all week and praying and asking God. God, um, uh, I said, I woke up. It was in between sleep. You know when you wake up in the morning and you're still asleep, but you're not all the way awake, and it's kind of that in-between place? Nod. Don't nod off, but do you relate? Okay, it was in between. And the Lord's just talking to me the minute I'm starting to come to. And he's given me an analogy for this choosing stuff. Okay, so I'm going to toss it to you because it was his idea. It's like when you're at school. Anybody remember when it was a sporting event or some other event? It, could have, it didn't have to be sports, but that's when it hit me, you know. Yeet. Sports. And they say, okay, everybody gather around here. We're going to have uh, you and you be captains, and now pick your team one at a time. I don't know what they do in school today, but that's the way they did it in my day. And you're up there, and there's two people, and they're looking everybody over, and they kind of sized you up. And they don't base it on really all your abilities. They base it on are you the cool kid or the not-so-cool kid? Come on. What is the one thing you do not want to happen? It, 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 go, it rises above whether you want to be on this team or the other time team. It rises above anything. But what is the one thing you do not want to happen on that day when the choosing is going on? To be the last one, the last man standing. And you're like the leftover scrapes off your shoes or something, you know? And you're like, oh boy, if it's baseball, I'm way out in left field, you know? I mean, you know, you don't want that. But do you know that in the story that we just heard, he sent the invitations out. They were declined, declined, declined. People too busy. Not, not this time, maybe next time. You see, the banquet we're talking about is the one there won't be a next time. It's the last big one. And I know there's going to be Mexican food there because Mexican food is the food of the kingdom, okay? <laughs> okay, at least I got, I got a couple of people saying that. Mediterranean food is really good too. I like that too. Oh, well, let's get it all. You know, there won't be anything left out at the banqueting table because it's going to represent the nations. It's going to represent the quirkiest little food taste you've got. There's going to be everything there because he's making it for you. When I make a feast, what do I do? I think about who's coming. I'm thinking about what do they like. We're all thinking about the feast. Uh, we're thinking about th- Thanksgiving. It's funny how some people are totally not into turkey. But for my family, we love it. We've got our things that we love. And I want to make sure that everybody gets to have a little taste of something they love. Do you think that God <laughs> would not do that for us? There will be everything there. Everything your little heart desires. You have been chosen. You have been invited and you are chosen. Now, what do we call this team? <laughs> I, you know, it, it's Team Jesus. Team Jesus. And we have, listen, you know, we're worried about who's going to win the Super Bowl. Well, if we called it a Super Bowl, I don't know what God calls it, but it's the super big enchilada of the whole universe. We win, guys. Jesus has already won it for us. You're going to win. Be on the winning team, guys. That's where you want to be. And with him, you will be. 
ultimately, it's the big party. This banquet is to celebrate that victory, the final victory. Amen? So what do we call this team? The people of God. It's the people of God team. So it's also you've heard the terms the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Um, Didn't you like the Lord's analogy? I was excited about it. I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is good. Uh, Because it touches our soul, doesn't it? We're the body of Christ. We've heard the family of God used, the people of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, if you'd bring that up, it says, now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You are his body. You're individually members of it. And, you know, as Paul continues during that entire chapter of 1 Corinthians, read the whole chapter this week. It's really good. It tells you everything you need to know about being the body of Christ. It talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you get to know Jesus, you get gifts. I mean, you get supernatural gifts. You get out of the ordinary gifts. Come on. You can heal people through Jesus in you. You get eternal treasures. You get crowns in heaven. You get all sorts of stuff. But the gifts that he's talking about with the fruit of the Spirit are the ones that he wants you to bless the world with. It's not always, we always internalize it and make it about us. It's not about us. It's about us giving those gifts away. We are givers. We heard, we heard our brother pray over the offering. It's about what we give, and we want to give the best. We want to give the best. I mean, we want a spirit of excellence in this place and in our heart. That we're not just like giving in, well, give him the old stuff. No. Give the best. And we get to give the world the best. It's a unified hold made of many members. And um, to each member is given a, a special purpose. We're all in this together. We are together. We are unified. We're connected to each other. Paul goes on to tell us that if I mess up, if I sin, and I harm one person, it affects all of us. That's how connected we are. He said, if I sin, so if I lie, if I go out and tell a nice juicy lie, or maybe one that wasn't so juicy, just because I did, did you know that it's harmful and it harms every one of you? It harms every one of you. If I'm really doing some bad stuff, whatever that is to you, I'm not going to meddle. I want to keep this light. Our children just came back in the room. But you know what I'm talking about, something you can consider like bad stuff. Did you know I didn't just harm myself? I harmed you with it too. That's why he's saying we got to think. we got to think how we live because we're connected. We really are. And just in the way this works in the bad way, he said if one thing good happens to one, if you do something that benefits one person, did you know in the body, that it affects all of us? It affects all of us. Toby just told me about some phone calls that he was receiving this week that really blessed him and were stirring his heart. And I'm sure the phone calls he made stirred somebody else's heart. I mean, I heard what your stories were here this week. Do you know that it makes us better people? It makes us all the better. That's why we need each other, and that's why we come together to spend this time. It's awesome, and we get so full that I can't wait to get out that door and release some more. Pastor and I were at a meeting Saturday 
for a few hours with about uh, 25, 30 leaders and pastors uh, in New England. And we all decided to come together. It was really good. I want to give you good news because, you know, it's not cohesive up here where we live in the leadership thing. Churches really don't like to do a whole lot together, unfortunately. But they, we want to change that because those that have a heart to, to be joined to the rest of the body, because that's this body, but there's other bodies of believers. It's universal. There's bot, the body is in heaven, too. And so we met with those pastors, and we're, we're, we're going to have an annual meeting where we come together, and we're going to find out what's going on in their churches, and we're going to let you know about it so that you can travel and go to something they might be doing. We're going to have them up. We're going to learn and come into contact with one another because we're connected. It doesn't matter. We're going beyond denominational walls. We're going beyond the way the bones work. We talked last week, and we look at ourselves. Each one of us is completely different from the other person, but we've still got the same bones here. We've got the same skeleton, and that's the thing in Jesus Christ that's holding us all up and together. This is good news, guys. Uh, Bishop Chope was there, and he's going to be coming up for sure with Ruth on January 14th. We secured the date, and there's no way, unless somebody dies, that's it, January 14th. He'll be coming up. But we met some really good people, and they blessed us, and we blessed them. And you're better for it today. You were blessed by it. We need to start thinking like that. If you do one little thing for somebody, Paul told us it benefits every single one of us. Now, some of us know that we're called the family of God, and we are called the family of God. I'm almost ready to close here, almost. Hold on with me. We had a lot. But the family of God is, I just said, in heaven and in earth. We are the family of God. God said he sent forth the spirit of adoption. That's another invitation. He says, you might not have had a mother or father in your life. My background was shaky, kids. It was shaky. It was almost non-existent. They did the best they could, whatever. It's my past. But when I came into the family of God, I had one sister. And now I have hundreds of sisters, sisters in the house. I didn't have any brothers. I always wanted a brother. I got a brother. I got a brother. I got a brother. I've got aunts. I've got uncles. You know, one thing that there was somebody there. I want to tell you this because it wasn't my background. I didn't get to go to church all the time. I only got to go to church when my grandma would take me, you know, if I got to go to her house. But there was a deacon that got up and talked yesterday. And he was talking about the young people, and there was such a burden on the pastors for the young people. And what are we doing? And we were talking, like, we need to brainstorm because life isn't the same. And people, some people are amazed. You know, I try to stay in touch with my grandkids. I do it on a weekly basis. I try to text them. We text back. I had, I had to learn how to do that because that is what is happening today. If I'm going to communicate with them, that's how it's going to happen. I'm not going to see them every week. Every day. And we send pictures or we FaceTime. I, I FaceTime. 
But I've got FaceTime with some of you right here today, some of you young people. And that deacon got up, and he was saying, do you guys remember how it used to be? He was talking to some people that grew up in the church a long time ago. He said, you know, when the mothers of the church would come and greet you and tell you you look good, they might tell you, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Or deacon so-and-so, one of the brothers would come over and say, hey, you guys need to stop that. He said, do you remember those people? And every one of them that grew up that way did. You see, I didn't have that influence. And I thought, what an awesome thing. We're mothers, we're brothers, we're aunts, we're uncles. We're the men and women and the people of God of faith. What young person wouldn't like a phone call from you? A little five-minute conversation. I, I saw it going on here today. I don't want to point you out, Barbara Dean. But I saw, I saw one of our young women coming up, young girls coming up. She was dressed extraordinary today. She looked beautiful. And Barbara Dean didn't miss a beat. She said, you look beautiful today. What does that do for you? What does that do for you? What does that do for our young people? It validates them. It lets them know. Spend some time with them. I just thought, I want that in our church. I want us to lay hold of that. We, they should be getting calls from us. I don't know. Take them out for lunch. I don't know. Go for a co- I don't know what they like, but find out and do it. I want that kind of family here because that's family. I was so touched by that. He doesn't even know. I've got to find his name on the list and tell him I was blessed. I like that. You see, it's not complicated. We don't have to sit them down and tell them why we get baptized and what kind of elements and what food, whether we use wine or grape juice for the Lord's Supper. We sit down and we have relationship. It's awesome. And I saw that happening. Some people gave me reports. It's like God is stirring that up in us. We are the family of God. We're the children of God. We're adopted into his family. We've got the same DNA, spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. It describes the nature of the church. But the people of God is the best one because it also includes the element of mission. And we can't be so self-absorbed that we don't get out there and tell somebody else. I'm here to challenge you. I'm challenging you. Talk to somebody this week. Tell them your story and invite them. Give them the king's invitation. Come on. You're the ones. You're his servants that he sent out to go tell people and tell them to come. It's up to them to choose whether they do. But I'm, I'm challenged. This is a challenge. I expect to hear stories about this next week. And not only that, I expect to see new people here. Come on. Because you dared to tell them about the people of God. And the awesome things that God is doing in your life. So 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. He possesses you so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you are once not a people. You know what that means? Once you were a nobody. 
I want to, if you are thinking that you are a nobody, God wants to change that for you today. If you think that you're, I mean, God's working out your lives. He's taking it a step at a time with you. But once you were not a people, you were a nobody. But now you are the people of God. You were the people of God. At that time, you hadn't received mercy. But now you have received the mercy of God. And when you receive the mercy of God, he says, that's my chosen one. That's my chosen one, Carrie. That's my chosen one, Carrie. Kyle, Deb, Araceli, Barb, Jeff, Lonnie, Kathy, Don, Kirsten, Kenna, Colin, Toby, all of you. He knows you by name. He calls you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He says, you're the apple of my eye. I chose you. And to me, you are somebody. Can I get an amen on that? You are somebody. I was the kid with cooties. I was. I thought it was a disease. They told me I had cooties and not to touch them. I went home and cried, and my mother heard me crying about the third day. What's wrong? Mommy, I have cooties. I thought I had a disease and I was going to die from it. Come on. I was not the ki- I was the less, last man standing. I was a reamed out nobody, and my father made sure that I knew that. I got my daily, I didn't get daily blessings in my house. I got the daily beating. Do you understand? God has done a work in me. God has done a work in you. And for you, you might not think you're perfect yet. But he sees you for what his plan is for you. And it's perfection. And it's life. And it's blessing. And if you've been hurt, he's going to heal you. If you've given up hope, He's going to give you hope. If you're screwing up and you have kept screwing up, he is going to help you overcome and have victory in every area of your life because of his forgiveness, because of his unconditional love, because he wants you. You are the people of God. And you know where you live? It's synonymous. You are the kingdom of God. He said, the, Jesus said, the kingdom is in you. And so his kingdom is everywhere you are. You possess the He possesses you and you possess the kingdom. And anybody tries to take that away, it says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violence suffer, uh, take it by force. Nobody's going to take the kingdom of God from me. I'm going to share it. I want it to be the biggest kingdom in the universe. The kingdom of God, and it's synonymous with the people of God. You are the chosen. And I want that sealed 
sealed in your spirit. Let's stand and let's close. In the kingdom of God, I know that this is a, a song group, but that's where the Jesus culture manifests. The culture of Jesus. The character of Jesus. It's present. It is present with you. Anywhere you and God go. Wherever God's will is done, there's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of God. Wow, did you see that? That's kingdom. It's going to be some of your buzzwords. That's kingdom. Hey, the people of God. Father, I pray over every person here within the sound of my words and wherever these words recorded go. We are the people of God. We let go of the past. We let it go. We heard it today. Let it go. We sever the ties with the past. We sever ties with old, stinking thinking. Lord, old, stinking thinking. We are the people of joy. We are the people of hope. We are the people of love, God. These are the clothes that we're clothed with. We are princesses. We are princes. We are kings and priests according to your will and your plan and your vision for us. Just as some of us have carried little babies in our arms and birthed our children and we have a plan, oh, a great hope for them. Father, your hope and your purpose and your plan is so much greater than that. And we lay hold of you today. And as I said before, if you haven't made that commitment, you know, Toby talked about resolutions, commitments. Recommit your life today. Today's the day. We heard If today you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart. If you've been away from the Lord, return, return. He's gathering his family. He's gathering his people. He's assembling them for a great work to come in the earth. And you're part of that. Father, let your blessings fall upon them. Let them overtake them, God. Bless them in every area that each individual needs. Lord, you are their Lord. And I pray for that challenge to be met in the spirit this week. Lord, I know you're going to help us. You're going to give us courage. Fear was our past. We have courage in you now. We take courage. We have, used to, we were, we were no, we didn't have any, any self-worth. We had nothing. We were nobodies. But today... Today we can do it because we can do all things in you. And, Lord, we have courage. We take courage and we use it. Father, we pray for our nation. Let us be the light bearers of hope and love in the earth today. God, seal this to our hearts. We thank you for everything that you did here today. We are a thankful people. And we're going to write it down. We're going to journal it. We're going to write it down. However that happens, we're going to write about it. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to be about the work of God in Jesus' mighty name. In ancient Rome, in ancient Greece, if you gave birth to a child and you didn't like what you got... You didn't have to keep him or her. You could give him away, or you could even sacrifice him or her. 
But if you chose to adopt someone, if you chose to pick someone, you knew exactly what you were getting, and there was nothing you could do to not keep that adopted, chosen child. So that's how we should think of the idea of the concept of chosenness. God has chosen us, he's adopted us, and he knows exactly, each and every one of us, he knows exactly that he chose us, why he chose us, and so on. He can't, we can't go back. He can't take us away. He can't do away with us like maybe some of the parents in it, you know, can, can decide, you know. Uh, and even today, parents can decide, you know, through ultrasound and stuff, you know, maybe, sadly enough, that they don't want to keep a child. But when you go out of your way to adopt someone in ancient Greece, in ancient Rome, and I believe in God's eyes, there's no turning back. We're sealed forever, for all eternity. I just wanted to share something really quick with you that happened to me yesterday. And then I want to share a revelation that I got from God that still wows me today. And that is that, well, yesterday I was picking up Jeff at work, and I was in the parking lot, and a girl came up to the car that I worked with at APD. And she began to say, you were done so wrong. I can't believe what they did to you. And I turned it around, and I just said, you know what? I walked into the biggest blessing of my life. I'm right where God wants me to be. I I know that this is exactly where I should be. God has been so good to me, and I just kept going. And I think she just was like, whoa, because I just covered her with that. And I said, so what is it that you really want to do? Where do you want to be? Because she just kept complaining about APD. And I said, you know, God can open doors for you. Just believe in it. Just believe for it. So, and I just want to share with you the revelation I got from God. Um, I'm always trying to say, God, just let me be in the center of your will. Don't let me take one step in the wrong direction. I don't want to do anything, you know, that's against what you might have for my life. And God confirmed in me something that I just still am wowed about. He said, you know, you are right where I want you to be in this school. You are right where you should be because a seed was planted in you years and years and years ago for this. You have given birth to what you have been born into. And I said, Lord, what does that mean? He said, your mother, your mother took in state children. She took in the broken. She took in the lost. She took in how many kids were in your family? And I said, four, Lord. And he said, no, you had seven, you had eight, you had ten. Your mother had a heart for children, and she prayed that you would too. So that seed that was planted is now coming to fruition. And I said, God, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. Last week, um, Kathy was talking about the, the skeleton and how all the bones come together and, and how um, the body of Christ is like that. And um, that the very night before that, I was reading, um, I have been reading through Ezekiel for the, um, for the feasts, and I was reading about um, how Ezekiel was to prophesy over Tyre and Egypt and how um, there was so much devastation coming on them. 
And I said to God, how does this relate to my life? And he showed me that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really in pain this morning, but um, in be- through all the aches and pains and all the lumps and bumps and all the stuff that happens physically in my life, um, that he showed me that the body is not working together. The body is not working together the way it needs to work together. The body is not working together the way it needs to work together. We are the body of Christ, just as my body needs to work together so that I can feel better. We need to work together as the body of Christ. We need to love one another. We need to go out in, in teams, and we need to, to, to get together and share our lives with one another. We need to, go, we need to get out in teams and go out there and um, talk to the people in the cities and in the, in the countrysides. And we need to be extending that invitation that Kathy was talking about, the invitation to that feast. And we need to do that, and we need to do it together, and we need to do it in a spirit of love, not just saying, I love you, but I don't know you, but I love you. you know, because we need to know each other. We need to know each other ins and outs. And congratulations, by the way. Amen. Yes. Oh. Sure, come on. You got a few minutes, everybody? Come on. Um, This came actually during the time, this was the first year that Kyle and I, we began together and did a fast for obviously the nation and God's will to be done during the election process. Elijah actually fasted with us too, and he brought this scripture um, about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. So I'm going to read it. Um, It does tie into what Kathy was talking about with being the apple of his eye. In chapter 1, it's talking about returning his people to himself. And it goes on. This is titled, A Man with a Measuring Line. It says, Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, Where are you going? He answered me to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was speaking to me left, and another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell the young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be in its glory within. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, O Zion, escape you who live in the daughters of Babylon, for this is what the Lord Almighty says. After he has honored me and has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. And I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. 
The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. He st- he be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Um, with that, I just want to say, you know, sometimes we tend to focus everything in the natural realm. <laughs> this, to me, was clear with not a doubt. The wall that is built is Jesus Christ. He is the wall of fire. And it says that within that wall of fire dwells his glory. So, and it's, it's, a, it's a wall of fire. It's actually, it's a wall of protection. Okay? So this was literally like the night of the election that Elijah brought it to me. And I just truly believe that, um, you know, we've been taught here, Lonnie and Kathy teach us all the time, when there's things going on in the, in the natural realm, there's also something taking place in the spiritual realm, okay? And so we need to look beyond the things that we hear in the news media and different things. We need to look at things from a, a spiritual perspective. And also just, you know, speaking about, you know, the power of prayer and unity. Because I know with the election, I know it's always a tough, a tough thing to talk about, but I know that um, at some point it was said on the television, like, you know, in order for this to have even taken place, they said... Um, they had to come home. They had to join together and come home for this to happen. The evangelicals, we know that that was all talked about. In order for it to even take place, the, the evangelicals had to be in unity for this. Okay, so um, that's, you know, I'm just bringing this about because I believe that it was God speaking completely. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have an opportunity to share about that. And if you remember Don Piper, because the ministries that come, the Lord establishes a relationship far beyond just their time here at Tabernacles. So I often text the ministries when the Lord leads me to do so. So I did so this morning with Don Piper in my time of prayer. So this is Don Piper. He says, and blessings to you as well. Just talking last evening over dinner, here in Tampa, about my tremendous time in Vermont. People, place, beautiful people, preaching this morning in Grace uh, and Faith Church in Tampa. May the Lord richly bless your ministry. My best to Kathy and the blessed bunch. See, we are the family. We are the people of God. And it does not have just limitations but it's who he is in the earth. So I just bless you. Thank you. We're going to have more time to really assess. There's so much that's transpiring uh, with this setting that we find ourselves in. doesn't surprise us that the tabernacle's time released that which God wanted to do during this miraculous time. But it's a time of seriousness as well. This isn't a time for us to just bask and say that we can now relax. This is an aggressive time for us to really seek the Lord because we have an open time of, of uh, really grace and mercy to be able to take the word, take your story to the people and the earth. So, Father, just seal today. with. Oh, did you have something also, Jackie? Okay. Um, I tried to get a hold of Brookside all week, um, but they were their line just rang and rang and rang and rang. Um, I did get a note from the Willows. There's six women and six men. Um, they can't release their names because of 
um, legal, but I'm going to call this week and see if we can get initials. That was Norm's idea. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then the lady up at Brookside, she'll be back on Monday. So I will have a list next week. Okay. So just um, it's going to be December 4th, um, probably around 2 or 3 at my house.